you would, open your Bibles with me to Joshua chapter 4. And I'm going to read kind of a lengthy passage. I I think I'm going to read the whole chapter. Joshua chapter 4. How many of you have ever had to bear a burden? (laughs) How many of you are bearing a burden? Yeah. Well, I think the Lord has given me a message for us today. I'm at Joshua chapter 4. I'm going to start in verse number 1. If you're there, say amen. Amen. When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Choose 12 men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan from right where the priests stood and to carry them over with you and put them down at the place where you stay tonight. So Joshua called together the 12 men he had appointed with the Israelites, one from the Israelites, one from each tribe and said to them, go over before the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan. Each of you take up is to take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites. And here's why they were to do that, to serve as a sign among you. In the future, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. So the Israelites did as Joshua commanded them. They took 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites, as the Lord had told Joshua, and they carried them over with them to their camp where they put them down. Joshua set up the 12 stones that had been in the middle of the Jordan at the spot where the priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant had stood and they are there to this day. Now the priests who carried the Ark remained standing in the middle of the Jordan until everything the Lord had commanded Joshua was done by the people, just as Moses had directed Joshua. The people hurried over And as soon as all of them had crossed, the ark of the Lord and the priests came to the other side while the people watched. The men of Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh crossed over, armed in front of the Israelites, as Moses had directed them. About 40,000 armed for battle crossed over before the Lord to the plains of Jericho for war. And we're all familiar with the story of the city of Jericho. That day, the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of all Israel, and they revered him all the days of his life, just as they had revered Moses. Then the Lord said to Joshua, command the priests carrying the ark of the testimony to come up out of the Jordan. 
So Joshua commanded the priests, come up out of the Jordan. And the priests came up out of the river, carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. No sooner had, their, had, had they set their feet on the dry ground than the waters of the Jordan returned to their place and ran at flood stage as before. On the 10th day of the first month, the people went up from the Jordan and camped at Gilgal on the eastern border of Jericho. And Joshua set up at Gilgal the 12 stones they had taken out of the Jordan. He said to the Israelites, in the future, when your descendants ask their fathers, what do these stones mean? Tell them, Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you had crossed over. The Lord your God did to the Jordan just what he had done to the Red Sea when he dried it up before us until we had crossed over. This is, this is one generation telling the next generation, the Lord did for you, you tell your children that the Lord did for you what he did for your parents and grandparents. In verse 24, he did this so that all the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful and so that you might always fear the Lord your God. And so I want to talk to you this morning about these stones that they piled up. I want to talk about piles of stones, piles of stones. Let me pray. Father, I thank you this morning that, that you do wonderful things in the lives of your people. And I thank you, God, that what you do for one generation, you'll do for the next generation as long as they serve you. I pray, God, that you will open the ears of our understanding, of our heart to receive what you would speak to us today. I pray that the seed I sow will fall on good soil. And Lord, that you will just put your thoughts in my mind, your words in my mouth, and that all who hear this message will be blessed by your word and by your spirit. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> you know, probably all of us, or just about all of us, have attended the funeral of a, of a good, dear Christian man or woman and heard the preacher say that he or she has crossed over Jordan. Raise your hand if you've ever heard that. And... Many songs have been written and sung about the believer who comes to the end of, his, of this life crossing over the Jordan. And <clears throat> for many years, the crossing of the Jordan River has been used as a symbolic picture of a Christian who dies and goes to heaven. And this idea is sort of that the wilderness represents our journey through this life and the crossing of the Jordan River into the promised land represents our crossing over into heaven when we die. 
And that is truly a beautiful and almost poetic way of speaking of the death of a Christian. I, I, I certainly understand that symbolic use of that story. I'm not sure it's altogether accurate. And I'm not here to disprove that use of this story in, in any way or to try to prove it as a wrong understanding, but I do believe that this story of the crossing of the Jordan River is more than just a symbolic representation of the believer going to heaven when he or she dies. And one of the reasons I say that is because when they crossed over into the promised land, they still had a lot of battles to fight. And I happen to believe that when we get to heaven, all of our battles will be over. So you see, when they crossed the Jordan River, they were entering into their inheritance. And so it's been suggested that the crossing of the Red Sea, or the crossing of the Red Sea, not the Jordan, but the Red Sea, is a symbolic picture of being delivered from the bondage of sin, which would be the bondage they had in Egypt. And that the crossing of the Jordan River is actually symbolic of the believer going on into our inheritance that we have even right now in this lifetime in Christ Jesus and not just when we get to heaven. We can start to enter into our inheritance when we get saved, right? And we cross over something, don't we? But we're still going to fight battles until we get to heaven. And that's really the view that I'm going to take today in my message. And so I guess now that now that being said, I feel like I need to also say when I die, feel free if you want to, to tell everybody I crossed over Jordan. I won't be offended at all because I certainly will have entered my final inheritance when that happens. But the message God has laid on my heart today is not a message about crossing over into heaven. It's really a message about pressing on into the inheritance we have in Christ Jesus now in this lifetime and, and in eternity. And it's a message about helping the next generation be prepared for the battles that they're going to face in their lifetime. Now think about that. I'm, I'm a dad and as a dad, I have always been willing to fight for my sons. I've been willing to fight their battles so they don't have to fight their battles. I'm, I'm happy to fight their battles. I, I'd, I'd be glad to fight their battles for them. But the truth is, they're now grown. And as they travel through this life, they're going to face battles that they will have to fight on their own. They're going to have battles that I cannot fight for them. And each one of us is going to have to face our own battles. We're going to have to bear our own burdens. And the generation that comes after us will have their own battles to face and fight that we cannot fight for them. But it is our responsibility. In fact, it is our God-given duty 
that as we go through our battles to then testify to the next generation of all the good things God has done for us so that they will know he will do the same for them. That's actually scriptural. In fact, in Psalm 71, verse 18, the psalmist said, even when I am old and gray, do not forsake me, O God, till I declare your power to the next generation, your might to all who are to come. So we have a God-given duty to tell the next generation what good things God has done for us. The psalmist in Psalm 78 said, I will utter hidden things, things from of old. Now, I'm talking about, how many of you remember your parents telling those old stories of what God did for them so long ago? I remember my grandparents telling those stories. I remember my parents telling those stories. Tommy and I heard those so many times we could almost mouth the words when they started telling them again. The psalmist said, I will tell of those old things what we have heard and know, what our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from, our, from their children. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power and the wonders he has done. He said he decreed statutes for Jacob and established the law in Israel, which he commanded our forefathers to teach their children. So the next generation would know them, even the children yet to be born, and they in turn would tell their children then they would put their trust in God and would not forget his deeds, but would keep his commands. I think one of the problems that we have in this world is there hadn't been enough old people telling what God has done for them, telling the, the young people the good things that God has done. And so as you go through this life, you'll have to bear your own burdens. And sometimes you'll have to, if I can say it this way, Carry your own stones. But I want to encourage you, and this is really, I guess, the thrust of this message that I feel burdened on my heart, that every burden you'll bear is a stone that you can set up as a memorial to the next generation about what God has done in your life. Now think about every difficulty you've gone through, every burden you've ever carried, and I want you to think of that as a stone that you're going to set up as a memorial. And so I want to talk about piles of stones in your life. And I want to begin this message by talking about knowing which way to go when you've never been this way before. Knowing which way to go when you've never been this way before. And I want you to go back to chapter three and look at verse three for just a moment. He gives them these orders. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the priests who are Levites carrying it, you're to move out from your positions and follow it. Verse four, then you will know which way to go since you have never been this way before. It's been a long journey for 40 years in the wilderness. Joshua has been 
there the whole time. If you recall, he was one of the spies who 40 years prior to this had gone in to spy out the land. And he, had, he and Caleb came back and encouraged the people that God has given us this land. But 10 of those 12 spies gave what the Bible calls an evil report. And because of that, the people did not believe and did not obey. And so God led them out into the wilderness to wander around for 40 years until that generation had died. God told them that none of your generation will enter in the land I have promised, but your children will. The only two exceptions to that was Joshua and Caleb. And now here's Joshua, much older, 40 years older, with this younger generation of Israelites back at the Jordan River, preparing to go into the, their inheritance, the land of promise that God was giving them. And now Moses has died, and Joshua is leading these people in the way that God would have them to go. What a monumental task. After 40 years of learning to listen and obey God and 40 years of learning to follow God by the visible pillar of a cloud by day and fire by night, it's kind of hard to miss the direction God is leading you when you have a visible pillar of a cloud and a visible pillar of fire at night, isn't it? Now they've wandered for 40 years after burying their parents and grandparents along the wilderness journey. Finally, the Lord says to Joshua, you and all these people get ready to cross over the Jordan into the land I'm about to give them. He said, I will give you every place where you set your foot. It's time. Get ready to cross. Consecrate yourselves. Listen to this. For tomorrow, the Lord will do amazing things among you. That's verse 5 of chapter 3. So God made it clear to them that I'm about to lead you in a direction or into a place where you have never been. And he made it, made it very clear. He said, you've never been this way before. And the only way you'll know the way is to follow the Lord. And the, he said, when you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, you're to move out and follow it, and then you'll know which way to go because you've never been this way. You see, that ark was the ark of his covenant. It was the very place where God was enthroned between the cherubim. It represented the very presence of God in their lives. And if there's one thing I could say, if there's one piece of advice I would give to my sons and their generations and their generation, it's this. When, when you were young, you followed me. In fact, I made you hold my hand. You didn't choose where you went. I led you. But in the days ahead, God will lead you down new paths to places you've never been. And the only way you and your generation will find their way in this world is to follow the Lord your God. When you're faced with something you've never faced before, when God leads you to a place you've never been, keep your eyes on the Lord and the covenant he has with you. Follow the Lord. 
And after 40 years of wandering through the wilderness, when they finally came to the Jordan and God told them it's time to cross over the Jordan, to make matters worse, the Bible tells us in chapter 3, verse 15, that the Jordan is at flood stage all during harvest. See, most of the year, the Jordan would only be about 100 feet wide and rather shallow. But during the time of the harvest, it was the time of the spring flood season. And now the Jordan River would overflow its banks until it would be as much as a mile wide. Now, why would God lead them in a direction they've never traveled before to a place they've never been at a time that is the worst time for crossing over? And so let me just ask you a question. As, as you've traveled through this life and faced obstacles along the way, has it ever seemed to any of you that God's timing sometimes seems a little off? Amen. I just want to make sure it's not just my life that feels that way. I mean, really, after 40 years, it wouldn't have been a problem for God to bring them to the Jordan River during the dry season. That's most of the year. But instead, God waited specifically until the springtime, the season of harvest, when the river would be flooded to tell them, okay, it's time to cross over. I mean, sometimes, sometimes it's going to seem like God will make what he's going to ask you to do just as, pos just as impossible as it can be before he asks you to do it. I mean, it's not that I don't want to cross the river, but surely there's a better time for us to cross over God. So why is God's timing off so often when we face obstacles along the way. I, I have a word for somebody that needs to hear this. Somebody who is saying to themselves, man, God's timing just seems so off in this situation I'm in. No matter how bad the timing seems in your situation, I want you to know God's timing is never off. God's timing is always exactly what he wants it to be in your life. But pastor, why would God's timing seem to be so bad? Well, verse 5 tells us why God's timing seems off sometimes. Because tomorrow, he said, the Lord will do amazing things among you. Now listen to me. If you've ever, if you're in a situation that you feel God's timing is off, you need to hear this. Nobody would have ever said it was amazing for them to cross during the dry season. God said, I'm going to do amazing things among you. Nobody would have ever said it was amazing how they crossed that river in the dry season. I'm saying that sometimes God wants to make what he's going to do in your life just as amazing as it can be. I mean, when Jesus showed up at the tomb of Lazarus, some people thought he was four days late. But the fact is, if he had come there four days ago, there would have been nothing so amazing about it. 
But when he called Lazarus out of a tomb where he had been buried for four days, that was amazing to everybody who was there. Sometimes God's timing seems off in your life or in your situation only because he wants to do amazing things in your life. He's got to show the next generation how amazing he is in all things in your life. And, and here's why you need to follow him. After reminding them in verse 10, they would have to face battles. If you read the whole story, he said, you know, you're going to cross over and I'm going to do amazing things. And by the way, you're going to have battles against the Canaanites, Hittites, Hivites, Perizzites, Girgashites, Amorites, and Jebusites. And then in verse 11, God assured them with this promise as they were about to face these battles. See, the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of all the earth will go into the Jordan ahead of you. Uh, how many, listen, you're, if, when you're going to a place you've never been, facing battles you've never had to face on your own, you need to follow the Lord because when you follow the Lord, you'll never go anywhere that God is not already there. When you follow the Lord, he will go ahead of you and you will never have to face a battle alone. The Lord will go before you and show you the way. I don't know who needed to hear this, but I'm telling you, you will never go where God is not. God goes ahead of you and that means he's not taken by surprise at the battle that comes to you. And so it says, as soon as the priests who carried the ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge. Let me just say, sometimes you have to get your feet wet. Sometimes you have to put a little bit of works with your faith, right? But the water suddenly from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarethan. So the people crossed over. The priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firm, listen to this, on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan. Not muddy, but dry. While all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground. When they got to the other side, they didn't even have mud on their sandals. So let me talk secondly about carrying your stone. <clears throat> As the people crossed over, there were some who had been chosen to pick up 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan at a place where the feet of the priests had stood and to carry them on their shoulders to the place where they would stay that night at Gilgal. Notice these were not small stones that you would carry in your pocket. These were large stones, and they each had to carry one on their shoulders. Now, I used to lift weights. And it just always seemed to me that when I lifted weights, 35 pounds felt much heavier than the number looked. You start doing curls with, you know, 25, 35, 40 pounds, you think, oh, that's not much. About the third or fourth or fifth rep, you start to feel the burn and you go, what am I, weak? But imagine the weight of each one of these stones, maybe 30 or 40, maybe even 50 pounds. 
And they were to carry them all the way to Gilgal. Gilgal was about two miles from Jericho. But from the Jordan River to Gilgal was an eight-mile journey. They had to carry those stones on their shoulders for eight miles. And some believe that the journey to Gilgal was actually uphill. Because in the next chapter, it talks about how this young generation had never been circumcised. And so one of the first things God required of them was to be circumcised. And they were done, that, that was done at a place called Gibeoth Haraloth, which means hill of foreskins. And so some scholars have ascertained from that that perhaps this was an uphill trek, eight miles, carrying a large stone on your shoulder. Wow. So sometimes as we travel this journey and as we enter into our inheritance we have in Christ Jesus, brace yourself, we will have to bear a burden. What if God asks you to carry a stone? What if living for the Lord involves a heavy burden that God asks you to carry on your own shoulder for a long way uphill, up a difficult road. I, I know, I know, I know, I get, I've preached it. I know, I know Jesus said, come, my, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. Oh, y'all know that verse. But what if one day he says, hey, hey, Todd, I need you to pick up that stone and carry it to where I tell you to put it down. Living for the Lord and serving in his kingdom will inevitably at times involve bearing a burden. I mean, looking back over my life, I've often had to bear my own burden. I'm so thankful for people God put in my life that have helped me bear burdens. There have been times I've had to bear my own burden. I've, I have often carried my own stone, and you will too. Walking eight miles uphill would be difficult enough, wouldn't it? Now, why would God add to the journey a burden? Why would God intentionally ask you to go through something that's a burden? Why, why would he ask you to take up a burden, a stone, knowing that you're already traveling a difficult road on your journey of life? Well, if you've come into this place bearing a heavy burden and you're just trying to understand it all, trying to understand the stone or the burden you carry, I've come to tell you a couple of things about burdens that you need to hear. And first of all, Gilgal was to become a significant place in the lives of God's people. It was to be the first territory in Canaan claimed by the Israelites, the first piece of their inheritance. And it would become the base camp for Joshua as he carried out God's will in conquering the land. It would later be where they would crown their first king in 1 Samuel chapter 11. It was later the place where David would be welcomed back after the rebellion of Absalom in 2 Samuel 19. 
And in the days of the prophets, Elijah and Elisha, there would be a school of the prophets located in that place called Gilgal. So for sure, Gilgal would be a place of great significance in the lives of God's people for years to come. And one of the things you need to understand about burdens that you bear in this life is that there is always significance in your burden. I'm not sure that went over as well as I thought it would. But I'm, I'm saying that God never will never ask you to carry your stone just to make the journey more difficult for you. You'll never go through those burdensome experiences just because God wants to make the way harder for you. You will never bear a burden for the kingdom of heaven without significance. The stones you carry, the burdens that you bear in this life will always have the purpose of God in them. God will never ask you to carry a stone for no reason. Aren't you glad to know that the trials that we suffer as we travel the road have value? Isn't it wonderful to know that our burdens and our trials are always more precious than gold? But if you've ever struggled wondering why you carry the burden you do, the stone that you carry, that you've had to carry along this journey, then, then I want you to look with me in verses 6 and 7, and then we're going to look at verses 20 through 24. He said, each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder to be a sign among you. And this is really a key to understanding and appreciating the stones we carry, the burdens we bear. He said, in the future, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. And then beginning in verse 20, when Joshua set up those stones at Gilgal they, they, that they had taken from the Jordan River, he said to them, in the future when your descendants ask their fathers, what do these stones mean? Tell them that God helped us to cross over the Jordan on dry ground. Tell them what God did in your life. The Lord dried up the Jordan. The Lord your God did to the Jordan just what he had done to the Red Sea when, when he dried it up before us until we had crossed over. So when your children ask about these stones, tell them that, hey, God did for us, for me, for my generation what I remember my, he did for my parents and my grandparents. I remember the testimonies of my grandparents and the testimonies of my parents. And, and guess what, son? He's done things in my life. And when your children ask you what these stones mean, tell them what great things God has done, not just for you, but for their grandparents and their great-grandparents. I remember watching my mom and dad go through trials Along the way, as I was growing up, I remember when we had some hard times. I remember when the devil tried to kill us, burned our car. I remember when we had 
Mom and dad had to bear some burdens as they journeyed through difficult places. I watched them carry stones on their shoulders. I remember some financial hard times. And I've come to tell you that every stone, every burden that you'll carry is a memorial to your children. It tells, every stone tells a story of how God got us through. I remember, I remember when we had financial difficulties, mom and dad worked hard and we went through some, a, a season of hard times. God provided, that's a stone, God provided. I remember the stone they carried in sickness, but God healed. And I, I remember the stone of my grandfather's cancer, but God healed him and brought him out of a coma and lengthened the days of his life. I've come to tell you, I've come to tell somebody that, that you'll never bear a burden that does not testify to the greatness of God in your life. So if God asks you to bear a burden or to carry a stone, it's because he intends to make it a memorial stone to the next generation. So I'll be glad to carry my stone. God, what burden must I go through? If it'll teach the next generation of how great my God is, I'll carry that stone because every stone I carry will be a testimony stone for my sons and for their children after them. Those stones are my testimony to my children and to their children of how God was faithful and how he brought me through. And then I want to talk thirdly about two piles of stones. And really, this part of, of my message is about the faith of the next generation. There was one pile of stones that these men carried all the way to Gilgal. <clears throat> And those stones were set up as a memorial for all to see. But it seems that there were actually two piles of stones in this story, and to some it's going to seem a little bit confusing. The other pile of stones we actually find in chapter 4, verse 9. And I read this from the NIV, but to really get this, I want to draw your attention to the footnote in the NIV right here, which tells us that an, there is another rendering of the Hebrew in chapter 4, verse 9 that can read like this. Joshua also set up 12 stones in the middle of the Jordan at the spot where the priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant had stood, and they are there to this day. Now that... that I've read this for years, and that for a long time seemed like a very strange thing to do. To set up a memorial in the middle of the Jordan River, because once, once they had crossed over and God made the river flow back in its place, only God would be able to see those stones at the bottom of the river. You see, in the days to come, when the children would ask their parents, about the pile of stones at Gilgal, the parents would tell them of the greatness of God and the miracle he did for them at the crossing of the Jordan River. But then the parents would go on to say to their children, but there's another pile of stones in the middle of the river where the priest stood that day with the Ark of the Covenant 
that you cannot see, but it's there. And it stands to remind us that our old life has been buried and we don't go back that way. And we're now called to live a new life in the land of our inheritance. And you can't see that pile of stones, that pile of stones, you just have to accept by faith. And I'm talking about the faith of the next generation. You see, just as Joshua had been there at the crossing of the Red Sea, and that experience had built his faith, this generation was there at the crossing of the Jordan, and they had that to build their faith. But in the future, the next generation will have to have their own faith. You see, when my sons were little, I had faith for them. If they, if they were sick, I prayed for them. If there was a need or a battle, I already had my faith. My faith was already strong because of everything I had already come through. Josh was able to say to his children, I remember the Red Sea. His children were going to be able to say, I remember the Jordan River experience. But what would their children say? You see, now my children are grown and one day they'll have children of their own and I will, I will still have my faith, but they must grow their own faith. Amen. They'll have to have faith for their own journey. And God invites us to look back in faith and believe there's a pile of stones in the middle of the river that says, my old life is buried and I now walk in a new life in the Lord. You have faith because of the experiences God has brought you through. Tell the next generation about it. But tell them about the stones at the bottom of the river. In verse 13, we see that when they crossed over the Jordan into their inheritance, they crossed over, it says, armed for battle and prepared for war. But do you know how I know I will win my battles? Because my parents put piles of stones in my life as a memorial. See, when they got across that Jordan, their first battle was looking at them, Jericho. But at Gilgal was a pile of stones. And I knew I would win my battles, and I still know I'll win my battles because of the piles of stones my mom and my dad put in my life to remind me of God's miraculous provision along the way. Every struggle they ever faced, every burden they ever carried, every one of them was just another stone they carried, and every stone had significance Every stone tells me a story of how God brought them through that river. And I watched my parents carry their stones on their shoulders. And I've come to tell you that every stone, every burden you carry is a memorial stone for your children. You'll never bear a burden that does not testify to the greatness of your God. 
If God asks you to carry a stone or bear a burden, it's because he intends to make it a memorial stone to testify of the greatness of God to the next generation. So I'll carry my stone. With every attack of the enemy, I will take up a burden, I'll take up a stone, and I will carry it. And in the end, when I am gone from this life, may my children find piles of stones I've left behind so that all the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful and so that you might always fear the Lord your God. Piles of stones. Carry your burden. Pile them up so that the next generation will know. If you're here and you've been carrying a burden, I want to pray for you. Raise your hand. Yes. Some of you, I know your burden. I know it. Some of you, I don't. But some of you, I know what burden you're carrying. And I just came to encourage you that every, every burden is a stone and every stone is a witness to the next generation. Be strong. God brought that generation through the Red Sea and this generation through the Jordan. He'll bring the next generation through Jericho. Stand with me. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I thank you. I thank you for your presence, Holy Spirit, that we have felt in this place. I thank you for your word that never returns void. I pray now for every hand raised and those who are watching our program that may be carrying stones. Maybe it's a long journey and they feel they're carrying a stone uphill, a burden. But I pray that you give them the strength to do so. And I pray that you help them to see that you intend to use every stone as a memorial. God, I pray that you will help us to be faithful in the journey so that the next generation can grow in their faith by looking back at the memorial stones we've piled up in their lives. May we never bear a burden without your purpose and your significance in it. And I pray, God, that when we are finished with our journey, those who come behind us will find the piles of stones we have left for them to testify of the greatness of our God. Hallelujah. <clears throat> I pray, Lord, that you be with these people and that you strengthen them, comfort them, encourage them, be the lifter of their head. And it is in the name of Jesus Christ we pray. And everybody said amen.